Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on John, Believe. So if I had to title today's message, I would title it, What is Truth? If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're a disciple of the Lord, you know that the spiritual pulse in America is not right today. Churches across the nation have become more relevant than reverent. And it seems that they're catering to what people want while ignoring biblical truth. When you start to study the gospel, the gospel talks about sin, repentance, confession, surrender. But a watered-down gospel of easy believism is being taught today. And truth has been compromised, and it's being replaced with a man-centered gospel. Reality is, we continue to see an erosion of values. The lines between right and wrong appear blurry, even erased at times. And moral absolutes and objective truth has been disregarded. Our children are growing up in a world that is void of God, and God's standards have been manipulated and even eliminated. Truth has become a matter of taste. Morality is subjective. Now, Ravi Zachariah said this, and let me, let me say this before I quote uh, Ravi. Ravi is battling cancer right now, and Ravi was at MD Anderson out in Houston, and they basically told Robbie there's very little more they can do. And so I would encourage you, even as we uh, think about Robbie this morning, be praying for that brother. God has used him globally as one of the top Christian apologists of all time. And our brother is suffering. And so for he and Margie and their family, uh, Sarah, Naomi, and Nathan, and, and just the family, I, I would encourage you <clears throat> to pray for our friend Robbie and his family. But Robbie made this statement. He said, the fact is, truth matters, especially when you're on the receiving end of a lie. This is so important in the area of faith. Eternity is an awfully long time to be wrong. Being wrong for all eternity is hell. And I will tell you today that truth matters. Here is a bold statement I would make, a very premise statement as we start to unpackage, again, John 18. But if the Bible, if the Bible is not our source for absolute truth, and if personal experience is allowed to define what truth is, then a saving faith in Jesus Christ means nothing. Let me say it again. Truth matters. And personal experience will let you down. It is a terrible barometer to use when it comes to measuring what is right, what is wrong, what is true. 2,000 years ago, the truth, Jesus Christ, was put on trial and he was judged by people who were expert liars. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 29, we read, Pilate asked, what, ask, what accusation do you bring against this man, Jesus? They answered, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him to you. Pilate summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? 
Jesus answered, are you saying this on your own initiative or did others tell you about me? Pilate said to him, so you are king of the Jews. Jesus said, you say correctly that I am a king. For this reason, don't miss this, for this reason I have been born, and for this reason I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After being arrested, study it. Jesus, the truth, was first led to a man by the name of Annas. He was a corrupt former high priest of the Jews. When you study the life of Annas, I can tell you he was way, way jacked up. Then Jesus, the truth, was led to the reigning high priest, a guy by the name of Caiaphas. And Caiaphas was the son-in-law of Annas. And I can tell you he was extremely corrupt. As Jesus stood before Caiaphas, as Jesus stood before the Jewish Sanhedrin, many false witnesses came forward to speak against the truth. And when you study it, nothing could be proved and no evidence of wrongdoing could be found in regards to the person of Jesus Christ. Caiaphas, when you go back and study even the trial, he broke so many laws while trying to convict Jesus Christ. The trial was held in secret. That was against the law. It was carried out at night. That was against the Jewish law. The false witnesses were bribed. Again, this was corruption 101. The defendant had no one present to make a defense. That was against the law. The requirement of that day was you had to have two or three witnesses, and they were not there. That was not met. Caiaphas violated the Jewish law. He was crooked, and Caiaphas declared that Jesus was guilty because he said, you claim to be God in flesh, and he said, that's blasphemy, and there was so much corruption around the trial of Jesus Christ. Now, pause. Sounds like America today. Certain people in leadership are so corrupt. Laws are being broken. Hidden agendas are being carried out. Let me read this verse to you again. John chapter 18. For this reason, Jesus said, I have been born and I have come into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said, what is truth? What is truth? Have you asked that question lately? Who is telling the truth? Can I trust anyone on the news? Does anyone really have a clean heart or a pure motive? And we are living in a world today that is void of truth. We're living in a world that is a postmodern culture, and postmodern thinking denies that truth can even be known. Postmodernism says, we will evict God from all public venues, evict God from the schoolhouse, the White House, and even the attempt has been made, evict him from the church house. Their agenda is, we will use the media to drive our message. I can promise you, this agenda is godless at the core. Belief in God 
and moral values, they say, must be eliminated. And they teach that there is no truth, there is no meaning, there is no certainty, and there is no absolutes. Postmodernists believe that truth is only an illusion and that truth claims are misused by people to try to gain power over others. They teach that traditional authority They teach that traditional authority is false and even corrupt, and they lash out against moral values and Christ-centered authority. Again, I will tell you, we are living in a culture that is flooded and ruled and run by postmodern thinking. Now, when you study the word truth, I want to give you the Greek, and then I want to give you the Hebrew definition. But the Greek word for truth means to hide nothing. It means to uncover, to unveil, to make known. The Hebrew word for truth means to be constant, to endure. It implies you can rely on it. You can depend on it. Now, we need to have a strong working definition of truth. And truth is available. Truth is not frightened by uh, lies. Truth is willing to step into dark spaces because it can handle whatever scrutiny it goes through. I will tell you this. When defining truth, it's also important to know what truth is not. Truth is not whatever works. Truth is not whatever makes people feel good. Truth is not what the majority says is true. Truth is not whatever you want it to be, because a lie believed is still a lie. Truth is not what the public approves, because lost people have a lost agenda. When you start to go through uh, even the scrutiny of defining truth, and again, Robbie Zacharias has had such an influence and impact on my life, even thinking through truth claims. But here are three simple ways to define truth. Truth is that which corresponds to reality. Truth is never defined by perception. Perception is subjective. Perception can lead you down some twisted roads. Truth is always consistent with reality. For an example, the Cross Loganville is in Georgia. That is true because it is consistent with reality. I am married to Barb. We have five children. Again, that is a truth statement because it is consistent with reality. Here would be the second thing I would encourage you to consider. Truth is always consistent with its object. Ravi Zacharias again said this. He said, word and reality have to match. If not, you amputate description from fact. And we are witnessing so much amputation during this COVID lockdown today. Theories appear to be ruling. Conspiracies are running wild. And I'm telling you right now, we must be pursuers of truth. Truth is simply, third point, telling it like it is. Truth truth hides nothing. Truth is always there. It's always available for others to see. Truth will always thrive in the light. Truth has nothing to hide and nothing to be afraid of. So as I've walked this journey with Jesus since October of 1985, 34 plus years, I, I can tell you, even as I've walked in truth and we're told by God, speak the truth in love and Jesus was full of grace and truth, I can promise you this, 
truth can be very, very offensive. Truth can be offensive. I've had people tell me that Christians are too narrow-minded. And I hear that and I say, yes, I totally agree. Because truth, by definition, is narrow. I would pose this question, though. Is a math teacher narrow-minded for holding to the belief that two plus two only equals four? We would say no. Am I narrow-minded for saying I was born December 11th, 1962? It excludes all other years, and it excludes all other possible dates as being a date that I was born. No, because it is consistent with reality. And truth, by definition, is very, very narrow. Others have said to me, it is arrogant to claim that someone is right and another person is wrong. Tim, the only thing that matters is just being sincere. And I would ask the question, is that true? Just be sincere. I would pose this. Is it arrogant for me to tell my daughter Hannah that only one key will open my locked office door? It doesn't matter how sincere she is. If she uses the wrong key, she will still be locked out. And I'm telling you right now, truth is very narrow, and it doesn't matter how sincere you are. Someone who picks up a bottle of poison thinking, oh, I'm sincere. This is really lemonade. If they drink it, they're going to suffer the effects of the poison. So it doesn't matter how sincere they are. You can be sincerely wrong. I've heard other people say, hey, Tim, the Christian faith excludes people. Yes, again, truth by definition excludes its opposite. So when Jesus makes that incredible, bold claim, and he invites us to trust him, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one else can come to the Father except through me. He's basically saying all other ways are wrong, and we must build our lives on truth. Again, we're living in a culture where they're trying to evict God and absolutely erase moral absolutes. And even in our society today, I can tell you some of the challenges that you're going to face and some of the challenges that I've faced. I mean, you've got all these different rims of philosophical thought going on, like humanism. And humanism, when you start to deal with a, a humanistic style person, they believe that God made the universe and that all things exist for the happiness of man. Humanism claims, say, there's a lot of different roads that will lead you to God, but God just wants you happy. The only thing that matters is living a hedonistic life and pursuing pleasure. That is a jacked up view, but that worldview exists around us today. Then you deal with people that we call relativists or people that are into relativism, and they believe that truth is just relative. It's subjective. There's no such thing as an absolute truth. And their logic falls apart in so many different areas because the law of non-contradiction is being violated, which means this, you cannot have something be A and non-A at the same time. I cannot say that I was born December 11th, 1962, and then in another breath say that I was born February 15th, 1964. It is a law of contradiction. One and only one can be the truth. I've had people say, man, hey, I, I understand, Tim, that all people are created equal. Yes, I, I would lean there, but I can tell you not all truth claims 
are equal. And there's a lot of people that are speaking up and speaking out now with theories and, and, and all this conspiracy stuff that's going on. And if there was ever a time in our nation and ever a time for the church to stand on truth, it's now. I deal with people that are skeptics. And a skeptic just, they doubt all truth claims. And to uh, a, a skeptic, I can tell you this, they've got to be skeptical of their own skepticism because if you're, if you're a skeptic, you're doubting everything. And to doubt all truth is to live a life of habitual confusion. And there's so many people just confused. I, I doubt everything. I don't believe anything. And then we deal with people that claim that they're agnostics. And they go, you, you can't even know the truth. And there's people that hold to that worldview. Josh McDowell was an agnostic in college, and he was writing a paper to examine the historical evidence of the Christian faith, and he was writing this paper so that he could disprove the Christian claims. But as Josh got into the study, he found evidence for it, not evidence against it. And Josh McDowell came to the conclusion that Jesus proved his deity. He, he said, I can tell you this, he is who he said he was. And he would let her, later write a book. I, first time I ever heard Josh was in 1986 at a conference, and I heard him speak, and he had this book available, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. It is an incredible read, but what Josh said is, Jesus is who he claimed he was. He's really deity. He came to another conclusion. He said, the gospel changes people's lives. He says, people's lives are transformed by the resurrected Jesus. And then he would go on to write another book, uh, which is a masterpiece as well, More Than a Carpenter. And his conclusion was Jesus was either the Lord, he was a liar, or he was a lunatic. And he concludes, no, he's Lord. And his message and the gospel changes people's lives. And then his last conclusion, he said, was he came to realize the Bible the Bible is historically true, and the Bible is reliable. And his statement is, this word right here can be trusted. And I'm telling you, whether it's humanism, whether it's a skeptic, whether it's an agnostic, I can promise you this, the war against truth has been raging throughout history. In Genesis chapter 3, we're posed with this question here. When the serpent comes to Eve and, and God had instructed Adam on how to live and conduct himself in the garden, the serpent comes and looks at Eve and poses this question, has God truly said? And at the heart of postmodernism and at the heart of all these other worldviews, it is a, has God really said? Has God really spoken? And I can promise you that questioning God is nothing new. We can go all the way back to Genesis 3 and find the root system of where this originated. But I can promise you, 34 years of walking with Jesus, truth matters. Truth is essential. Truth is what we have to build our lives on because life has consequences for being wrong. Giving someone the wrong amount of medicine can kill them. Having a financial investor make the wrong decisions with your money, it can leave you broke. Dealing with an unfaithful marriage partner can result in the destruction of a family 
and could even potentially cause diseases. And I can tell you right now, life has consequences for being wrong. It is impossible to experience true life when divine truth and moral absolutes do not exist. And we need divine truth. We need divine revelation. We need to know what thus saith the Lord. We need to know what is written in the pages of Scripture. Based on Ephesians 6, we need the Word of God, which is the only offensive part of our armor that we have. We need truth. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, what a powerful passage this is in regards to rejecting and, and, and abandoning truth. But Paul would write to the believers in Thessalonica, because they did not receive the truth to be saved, God allowed them to be deceived so that they will believe what is even false. He goes on to say, they will all be judged who did not believe the truth, but who took pleasure in wickedness. Gang, I can tell you, life has consequences for being wrong. Some people will reject truth, and they will spend eternity in hell. I'm not willing to roll the dice. I'm not willing to, to just come up with a, a, an opinion-based uh, argument to live my life by. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. It is revealed against men who suppress the truth. Life has consequences for being wrong. And I would encourage you to consider the claims of Jesus. He is deity. He is God in flesh. He is the only way to the Father. So again, does truth matter? Absolutely it matters. And we should do everything we can to pursue God's truth every day of our lives. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says, do not let anyone lead you astray with empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the evil powers of this world. Do not be led astray from Christ. And we live in a world of twisted values and corrupt concepts. I would tell you this, do not compromise. Do not be led astray. And we're living in a world where so much compromise has taken place the word compromise means to erode or to diminish. It means to make accommodation for someone who does not agree with an established set of biblical standards. And we're living in a day where people are compromising and they're negotiating. And compromise at the core will seek to eliminate objective blueprints. And once we conclude that only subjective reasoning exists, we will live in a world and we will live a life of utter chaos. I would encourage you, truth matters. I like what Gandhi said. Gandhi said it this way, all compromise is based on give and take, but there can be no give and take on fundamentals. Gandhi would say any compromise on mere, fundament, uh, mere fundamentals is surrender because it's all give and it's no take. And again, guys, I would encourage you Refuse to compromise. G.K. Chesterton said that tolerance is the virtue for the man 
with no conviction. And if we're going to refuse to compromise, it's going to require complete surrender to the lordship of Jesus, regardless of what the world's values are, regardless of what the world's message is. I'm telling you, we've got to be fully surrendered. Jesus would say in John chapter 8, he who belongs to God, he hears what God says, and he obeys what God says. Jesus would say in John 10, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. And so again, as we walk with Jesus, we're going to hear, we're going to obey, we're going to follow, we're going to press in, and these are crucial times in which we find ourselves living. Robbie Zacharias, he gave me a copy of his book years ago, Jesus Among Other Gods. And I like what Robbie said. He said, I came to Jesus because I did not know which way to turn. I remain with him because there is no other way I wish to turn. I came to him longing for something I did not have. I remain with him because I have something I will not trade. I came to him as a stranger. I remain with him in the most intimate of all friendships. I came to him unsure about my future. I remain with him certain about my destiny. I came amid the thunderous cries of a culture that has 330 million deities. He said, I remain with him knowing that truth cannot be all-inclusive. And again, I would tell you, if you want to read and ponder the writings of a man that God radically changed and has raised up to have impact throughout the world, I would encourage you to read from my friend Ravi. But I will tell you this, the Christian worldview is worthless if it is not true. And the question we all need to be pondering and dealing with right now is not, how does this make me feel? But we need to be dealing with a question, how do I know this is true? Because truth is the heart of Christianity. Lee Strobel, he's written quite a few books since he came to faith in Christ. The case for Christ, the case for faith. All these great things that Lee Strobel has written. But Lee was an atheist. And Lee was not even close to entertaining a God-style paradigm or worldview. Lee's wife came to faith in Christ. And she started really embracing the gospel message. And two and a half years later is when Lee really surrendered. But listen to what he said from an atheistic worldview. He said, essentially, I realized that to stay an atheist, I would have to believe that nothing produces everything, that randomness produces life, that chaos produces information. He said, in my assessment in my assessment, the Christian worldview accounted for the totality of the evidence much better than an atheistic worldview did. Here's the truth. Here is the truth. Jesus lived. He became man, and he walked the dusty roads of this planet for some 33 years. Jesus died a criminal's death. Jesus was resurrected to show us God's amazing power and God's amazing love. But the choice is up to us. Will we accept the fact that we are valued and wanted by the creator of the universe? Back to John 18. Pilate 
was looking in the eyes of the originator of all truth that morning when he asked the question, what is truth? And Pilate assumed that Jesus was on trial, but the truth is it was Pilate who was on trial, and he caved in to the pressure of man. When you go back and study the life of Pilate, his story is one of tragedy. He even said in one of the other gospels, I find no fault with this man. Even his wife sent him a note, and she begged him. She said, please don't have anything to do with that innocent man named Jesus. I have suffered in a dream all day because of him. But he refused to recognize the truth, even when truth was standing in front of him. And when you, when you pause and you evaluate the claims of Christ, what is your decision? Will you receive Jesus as king, or will you follow the voice of the crowd? Each and every one of us, we're going to make a decision, and we're going to make a choice today. Am I really going to repent and surrender and go all in with Jesus, or am I going to listen to the voice of the world? And I can promise you this in close. Jesus Christ is the most profound truth that we can ever believe. He is the only one who can bring peace and joy and forgiveness and salvation and complete satisfaction that you've been searching for. I know this from personal experience, but I know it based on the truth. And I will tell you this, the gospel is costly because it requires that we deny ourselves and take up our crosses daily if we're truly going to follow Jesus. I would encourage you, embrace Jesus today. Receive Jesus as the truth of your life. Repent, turn from sin, press in. Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Father, thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name for the power of truth. And Father, for every person that is sitting there this morning contemplating, Lord, again, the message of John 18. What is truth? What am I going to believe? I pray that we would violently repent of sin. Anything, Father, in our lives that's wicked, wayward, Father, I pray that we would repent, that we would turn, and we would cry out to you, Lord. Jesus, save me. Save me from me. Save me to you. Make me the person you desire for me to be. Father, I need you. Lord, I need truth in the midst of all this chaos. I need truth in the midst of all this uncertainty. Lord, I'm coming to you because I need deliverance and rescue. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would make us the people you desire us to be, that we would be on fire for you, and that we would then take these truth claims into the world, Lord, as ambassadors with a message of reconciliation and hope to those, Father, in Loganville and beyond that are lost and searching. Father, I pray for every person watching this message right now in Jesus' name that they would take the great commission to heart 
And Father, we would get out of our comfort zones and start to engage with those that are searching, that are lost today. Father, thank you again for the transforming work that you have performed in my life. Thank you that you're still at work, both to will and to act according to, good pleasure, uh, according to your good pleasure. And Father, I lay myself before you and say, continue to conform me and transform me and shape me into the man that you desire me to be. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Hey guys, before we move into just a closing time of worship, if you've got any questions about the Christian faith, maybe you've been struggling through things yourself and you're like, man, I just need to talk, I would encourage you to just email Dustin at thecrossloganville.org. Email him. If you need to contact me, Nick, any of our staff, we are available to help walk with you. Let's continue to worship and press in to truth. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, we hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. We pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Hey, make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.